Welcome to Mastering Your Financial Life, hosted by Judy Heft, the founder and CEO of Judith Heft and Associates Financial and Lifestyle Concierge. This year, they're celebrating 26 years in business. In every episode, Judy interviews professionals who help others successfully manage their financial lives. You can find this show on YouTube, LinkedIn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Judy is the author of two books, How to Be Smart, Successful, and Organized with Your Money, For a Better Today and Tomorrow, and her latest book, Mastering Your Financial Life Cycles, How to Successfully Manage Money in Every Decade of Life. You can read chapters of her books and catch prior episodes of this show at www.juditheft.com. Now here's the host of Mastering Your Financial Life, Judy Heft. Hey everybody, welcome. I'm so excited today. We're having our 17th show and we've really been talking to some very interesting professionals and today I'm thrilled to introduce you to Lily Vasilev. Lily is the owner and founder of Wealth Protection Management and she's in Greenwich, Connecticut. She's a divorce financial expert. She has lots of things that she does. She's a wealth advisor. She's a speaker and she's an author of four books. She's a CFP, Certified Financial Planner. She's a CDFA, Certified Financial, Certified Divorce Financial Analyst, and an MAFF, which is Master's in Forensic. I forgot what that was already. Financial Forensics. Financial Digging forensics. for money. <laughs> so that's really great that she does that. So I'm really thrilled to have uh, Lily with us today. So welcome, Lily. Thank you Thank so you. much for joining. My great pleasure, Judy. Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. So we're going to talk about some uh, some of the things that you do for your clients that you help with. So I think one of the things that you do is you help them find some hidden assets. And how does that work? What are some of the sneaky little favorite places that you know about that maybe, you know, your clients don't know about and they're happy to have you help them find? Absolutely. So it, it's interesting. Most of the time people think if they're in a transition or going through maybe a crisis like a divorce, that they start to have those feelings of suspicion. And the first thing I think of is, wow, did somebody kind of stash money to the side? How do I find it? How do I know that discovery is full? Meaning, do I have all the information from my other partner or spouse? And if not, how do I go about finding it? So here's a couple of tips. First of all, you have to know what does it really mean to hide assets? So hiding assets means you could transfer some titles or assets physically to other people, to third parties. But other ways to hide money include maybe using money for personal expenses in business. Or secondly, you could overpay, prepay, and that includes insurances or um, large purchases where you are prepaying large amounts of money so that they are out of bank accounts. So hiding money or hiding assets isn't really necessarily that complicated, but the key to all of that is you need to know what to look for if you can justify your suspicions and you want to sit back and think about the cost benefit of finding those assets. So I will noodle around all the accounts. I'll follow the money. I'll look at, you know, inflows, outflows. We will match to what's reported on any kind of a, you know, legal document, like a income tax return or bank statements, et cetera. 
And generally speaking, I'm going to find something. If that if it's validated, I will find it. That's interesting. That's so fascinating to me. There are things that, <clears throat> excuse me, I certainly hadn't thought about is like prepaying insurance policies, that type of thing. I guess that, yeah. you know, some people can be sneaky and you have to have somebody, a good professional like you that knows where to find these things and how to find these things. That's really, that's amazing, Lily. Thank you for helping your clients with that. Wow. I Absolutely. Those are definite eye openers. So what are, you know, then there's also divorce mistakes that people make when they're getting, you know, when they're contemplating their divorce. So what are some of those mistakes that people do with social security benefits? I know that, you know, I don't think people realize that they can collect earlier if they've been married for over 10 years, but I know that you've got some good tips on that too. So general rules for a divorced spouse. Generally, first you have the eligibility criteria as to whether or not one, you're entitled to social security benefits, and two, whether or not you're entitled to your ex-spouse's social security benefits. So let's start with your own. If you have a earnings record, more than likely of 40 total credit hours in your whole lifetime, you will have some amount of social security benefits. Why are social security benefits important? Because they also entitle you to Medicare. So that's the first part. Now, if you're a divorced spouse, you will get one benefit. You don't get your benefit plus your ex-spouse's. And how Social Security will determine that will be the higher of either your full benefit or 50% of your ex-spouse's benefit at full retirement age of your spouse. If your spouse takes Social Security benefits later than that, you know how you postpone it to kind of accumulate greater credits or greater social security benefits through age 72 now, you do not benefit from that. So at full retirement age, that would um, be sort of your cap on your ex-spouse's benefit. And again, it's the greater of. And, and some of the criteria. So here's a heads up. You have to be married for at least 10 years. So if you're contemplating divorce, hang in there for 10 years. Two, you have to be divorced for at least two years in order to claim social security benefits on your ex-spouse's record. Three, you have to be unmarried at the time you apply, which doesn't mean you can't marry later, just unmarried at the time you apply. And the benefits that you will receive will be um, determined by your spouse's social security record. And if you don't have access to it, or access to your social security number of your ex-spouse, then you got to do a little bit of homework before you get to the social security department, because literally they may not be looking it up for you. So how does that work? What if somebody is uh, has not decided to collect social security and then they're divorced and the other person, can, can the other person get money on what their benefit was supposed to be or do they have to be both collecting? They both have to be eligible to receive, not collecting, eligible. So your ex-spouse has to be at least 62. And where this really creates a little bit of havoc is when you have a huge age disparity. So, for example, let's just say that the wife is 10 years older than her spouse. She has that much longer to wait to be able to claim on her ex-spouse's Social Security benefit. And here's the kicker. 
In 2015, there was a change in law, which said you can't do the switch and bait, so to speak. You can't take your social security benefit, which is lower, and then switch to your ex-spouse's benefit on their record when it's higher and you're eligible to do so. There's no more of that switching. So you're stuck. You make the application on the benefit that you take at the time you apply. Social security, I think, is so overwhelming and daunting for most people. It's great to have someone like you explain it because I've had it explained to me so many times and it still gets a little confusing. They change the laws around too a lot, right? Well, not that often because people get really crazy when you change the laws with social security benefits. But what what they did in 2015 was they closed a couple of the loopholes because essentially the government was allowing a little bit of subsidizing of the benefits in two divorced spouses. They kind of closed and, and the strategies between married people even of I'll take mine now and switch to yours later mm-hmm. as it accumulates. You can't do that any longer. They, it, you know, one you make you make your application, you're done. That's it. One other thing I just want to make a comment on because this is a, a somehow a self-perpetuating myth out there that many people think. When you file a claim on your ex-spouse's benefits for Social Security, it has zero impact on your spouse. They still receive 100% of their own benefit. So what the government is really doing is paying out 150% of that benefit. And that's why they talk about with this huge bulge in the population of, you know, individuals coming into retirement age. That's why they talk about the Social Security Fund being a little bit precarious in Uh terms of funding because there are less people working on W-2 wages that contribute towards Social Security. So. That's so to good. recap, when you do apply for Social Security, if you want to get your ex-spouse's benefits, he has, he or she have to be already collecting on it. No, eligible. No, eligible. Eligible at age 62. Not collecting. Eligible. eligible. So they don't have to be collecting. They just have to be eligible. Correct. Correct. Interesting point. That's good to know. It's important to remember that. And I think, yeah, there's so many different things with it. And then Medicare, are they, does that mean... So how does Medicare work for that? So Medicare is usually at age 65, but you have to be eligible for Social Security benefits. If not, you are actually purchasing Medicare as you would any other private insurance. Uh And it can be expensive. Another comment I just wanted to make um, often in divorces is when you're planning forward, and I love to give my clients a roadmap for when they're divorced, right? To know at least with some degree of confidence, how they're going to make financial things happen, correct? Mm -hmm. So if you have to work, choose to work, desire to work after you elect Social Security, just keep this in mind. It could be taxed as well. So you have to take that into consideration too for your total income sources. That's really helpful information. We're going to take a little break now, Lily, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk some more. Thank you. Great. Hey there. I just want to tell you a little bit about my new book that just came out called Mastering Your Financial Life Cycles. And here it is. It's how to successfully manage your money in every decade of life. I co-authored this with my CFO, Liz Levy. And together we created this manual that's going to help you through every stage of life. We talk about having a baby. We talk about young adulthood, pre-retirement, what to do when you're 
at that age of retirement, if you're contemplating divorce, do you need an estate plan? We cover all of these, each subject in a different chapter. And I really think that you're going to find this so helpful because at the end of every chapter, they have checklists that you can look at and you can use and they can be a guide for you. So this is a wonderful manual that we've created. It's available on Amazon. You can also find it on our website at judithf.com slash book. And we're here for you. If you need anything, reach out. I hope you enjoy the book. Here's another picture of it, just so you know what's going on. Here it is. And I'm really proud of it. It's my second book. And I'd love to have you uh, read it and give me your feedback. Judy Heft, judithheft.com, financial and lifestyle concierge, celebrating 26 years in business. And over the years, I've learned so much. And what I've been trying to do is impart a little bit of this knowledge to you so I can help all of you become as financially organized as I am. And we're back with Lily. Thank you. So, Lily, you know, you call yourself a financial mediator. What exactly is that? Can you explain that to our listeners, please? Sure, absolutely. So I've been trained as a mediator and in uh, the state of Connecticut, um, mediators literally after extensive training could be any family related professional, such as a lawyer, a therapist, or a financial expert. What I, what I do with clients is I will mediate financial issues as a neutral person. So I am organizing their information. I am analyzing their information. I am creating and supporting their communication and facilitation and negotiation of scenarios so that we get to a point in time where every person has as much information as they need, that they are ready to make well-informed decisions, and that we then have an agreement on the terms of those financial items so that I create a memorandum of understanding, which they then take to a legal professional to incorporate in a drafted mediated agreement, along with a parenting plan. I don't do the parenting plan. I'm the financial expert. So I will work with individuals. And, and it's hard to say, heads up, hard to say how much divorce costs or how long it lasts. But in mediation, what I love about it is that the clients have a voice at the table and their interests and their needs and their priorities and their concerns are what drive the process. And it's one of those few processes of alternative dispute resolution that encourages that and supports it. So do you recommend that they come to you before they work with their lawyer or is it done in tandem? How does that work? Um, willing to wear whatever hat is required by the clients. Many times a client will come to me from an attorney mediator or from a therapist and we work on the financial issues. Um, if those are really the bulk of those issues in their divorce process. Alternatively, I co-mediate with attorneys all the time as that extra supplement and added resource to the mediation process and brought in by the attorney mediator. So either way, I love working with the clients and the professionals in this field. That's such a great role that you have there. I think you're really helping so many people because I don't know if this is accurate, but it seems to me that a lot of there's, you know, well, before I got married, my sister said to me, you're going to fight about two things, money and children. And I said, no, we're not going to fight about anything. Well, yes, she was right. And so I think that 
a lot of divorces probably are based on financial disputes and you know discrepancies and things like that. Well, I would say I could not agree more. What is divorce all about? It's about children and money. There's there's nothing else to talk about. So really getting the key financial decisions correct is a one-time effort. You don't have redos after it. So you really need to know as much information as possible, as much discovery as possible, to have the opportunity to explore different kinds of ideas for how you need to achieve your goals at the end of the day, and then to have someone who will help create that roadmap after the divorce so that you have that sense of confidence and security, you know exactly what to do. And as a mediator, I'm neutral, so I'm not providing advice. In many other situations, I am an advocate for a client where I do provide advice. Uh, I teach this to other professionals from the financial viewpoint. Um, I teach at a lot of different local bar associations, and I'm also trained as a trainer in collaborative process. And I think if you have the opportunity that it's a wonderful place to explore first and foremost as an alternative dispute resolution process rather than going to the traditional litigation. That's great. You you wear so many different hats, Lily, and help your clients in so many wonderful ways. It's great to be able to talk to you today. Thank you. So tell me, how can people, how can our listeners find you? Uh, they can find me by going to my website, wealthprotectionmanagement.com. You can Google me. Um, you can email me at lily at divorcematters, M-A-T-T-E-R-S.com, or lily at wealthprotectionmanagement.com. That's all great information. And what I, you want to give a little plug for your books? So I had the great honor and pleasure of being invited by the American Bar Association to write their first and foremost book on money and divorce which I think is fairly comprehensive. And I know that you wrote excellent books as, as you know, guides for the everyday person. This is a book both for the public as well as professionals in family law. And it's very detailed. You can take a chapter at a time, but it's really a step of one, two, three. How do I start that divorce? Because it can be daunting and overwhelming. And you know, you're in that, you know, you're in that emotional frenzy and you're thinking, I got to get out of here, but what do I do? Where do I go? Where do I start? So that's great that you have that wonderful guide, Lily. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today. I look forward to more conversations. It's always great to see you and catch up. And hopefully our readers are going to, our listeners are going to reach out to you and thank get you. some more information. Thank, thank you, Lily. And don't hesitate. Preparations, everything, if you're thinking of a transition in your financial life. Absolutely. Good. You've been listening to Mastering Your Financial Life, hosted by Judy Heft. Thank you for your positive reviews, comments, and sharing this show with others. You can read chapters of Judy's books and catch prior episodes of Mastering Your Financial Life at www.judytheft.com.